This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. What's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? This week, we will answer that question and talk about how both can be incredibly beneficial to your overall well-being. We will do that with our guest. Her name is Stephanie Wagner. She is a board-certified health and wellness coach and a trainer and program specialist with Healthy Minds Innovations. They are the folks behind a new app that I absolutely love. We will talk about that as well as a uh, program that they are offering to help you either start or restart your meditation practice. So, Zach, we've talked a bunch uh, about meditation on this show. It goes back to our very first episode was about meditation. And one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk about it this week is that there are so many apps that are available that can help you make meditation a regular practice, can teach you how to do it. The one I've been using lately from Healthy Minds Innovations is, I think, is a bit of a game changer in this space. I've been using Headspace for a really long time, uh, but the Healthy Minds app truly is a, a very educational tool when it comes to meditation. I love that it isn't repetitive. It's it, it, it truly is an educational experience. You not only get great meditations, but you get a bit of the science. You get these sort of mini podcasts in between meditations where you're really learning about the process and what it's doing for your brain. Yeah. Do you have to sit still? This is the other reason I love this app, because mm-hmm. every time we've talked about this, you always mention that you cannot sit still, that you go crazy, the way your body reacts, freaks you out. It has active meditations built in. So as soon as perfect. I saw that, I went, this is the perfect app for Zach. He'll finally start meditating because he doesn't have to just sit on a cushion. He can actually get up and do things. Well, you know, that kind of goes against my nature too, because that would mean I'd have to like do things. But there is the doing uh, things. You know, part. yeah, that's the challenge. That, that's, that's always hard. Sitting still is hard. I mean, I think I'm just screwed. <laughs> you may be. It's possible. Um, but I've been using this app for a few days now and, and I'm somebody who, you know, my, my life was changed by meditation and I still struggle to get back on the cushion to, to make it a part of my routine. Uh, instead I do try and make, you know, mindfulness more of, of my uh, process, really just trying to pay attention in brief moments throughout the day to what it is I'm doing instead of letting my, my thoughts lead me all over the place throughout the day. So this has been really great because it's, I'm curious about the process and it, it draws me in and it makes me want to make meditation a part of my practice because it's, it's a fun learning experience. So I really, I, I, I can't recommend it enough, Zach. I really think you need to start diving in with, with the active meditation part. I'll give it a shot. I mean, yoga is my meditation. So, and I can actually tell a difference in my, just my mental attitude, my mindfulness when I'm not doing yoga, when I'm not actually meditating on a regular basis, due to the fact that I had to travel to Florida and then I was quarantined and all that, like I haven't been to yoga in three and a half, four weeks now without that. Like, I just feel like I'm waiting for the day to get over so I can go to bed and have coffee the next day and then waiting for that day to get over so I can go to bed and have coffee the next day. And I mean, coffee is great. It's a really good reward for me, but um, not enough to keep you going though, but that, you know, I'm not mindful of my day. I feel like I'm just running through it. Nothing. I'm not recognizing anything. And then I start over again and that's without meditation in my life. That, and it's funny you mentioned that that's something that has really stood out to me really for the last few weeks since this, this concept came up on, on an episode we did a, a while ago about the idea of all these things that we talk about implementing in your life to, to try and live a more fulfilling, happier life, whatever, whatever you're going for. I, I'm starting to notice more the things that I'm not using and the impact that they're having in my life more than 
when I first started doing them. When I first started meditating, I saw a huge difference. When I started doing the keto diet and I lost a bunch of weight, saw the difference. Exercising every day, saw the difference. Now I've become really aware of the things that I've stopped doing and the way that my mind reacts and the way my body reacts. Maybe it's a bit of a rock bottom because I am now starting a new workout routine. I'm meditating more. And I, and I think it is all based on the fact that I've been meditating really consistently for the last week or so, that it's provided this clarity of, of uh, to what I need to live the way I want to live. Right. Well, you flipped it, right? So you're normal before. The only way you could really go is to get better. And now your normal is better. And you feel it when you go the other way. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, the, and the trick is to know that that's going to happen because we can't always be perfect, but also catch it and not let it slide back so far that feeling like shit feels normal again. Exactly. So how does this all work? How can meditation help you live a better life? We're going to find out with our guest. Her name is Stephanie Wagner. She is from Healthy Minds Innovations. And we talked to her about not only the Healthy Minds app, but why meditation is so important. And our conversation began with how meditation became a part of her life. I actually started the path of meditation due to a lot of um, anxiety in my own life, a lot of unmanaged anxiety. And I found a real resonance with the practice and I had been practicing for, for several years and found it to be just really beneficial to me. And yet there was something that sort of was like a little out of place in um, sort of in my, in my life and that my physical body was not healthy and well. And yet I felt like my mind was quite healthy and well. And so there was this sort of point in my journey where I realized that I was really good at meditation sort of on the cushion, but I wasn't really bringing meditation into my daily life. And so I sort of went through this, this journey of aligning alignment, um, aligning my practice and aligning um, my values around meditation sort of in the way that I was treating my body and in the way and the choices that I was actually making in my life. So um, meditation has just been a huge part of just both sort of the mental and emotional piece for me, but also in my physical uh, journey of losing 80 pounds. 80 pounds. That's wow. amazing. Yes. You, you did not lose that on the cushion. How did the, <laughs> how did the meditation open the door to losing 80 pounds? Yeah, you know, so what I did was I started just sort of paying attention to my body in my daily life. Um, I was so out of tune with my body. I wasn't listening to the way that my body felt in response to food. I wasn't listening to the way that my body felt from being so sedentary. And so I just sort of went into this journey of getting curious around sort of how could I do things differently? How could I explore tuning into my body with awareness, which is, of course, what we're doing in meditation. We're sort of tuning into and recognizing this innate awareness that exists within us. So how can I like tune into my body differently and sort of and sort of listen to the inner wisdom of my body? So I started doing things like uh, walking. I started walking every day and getting curious. Gosh, what's it like to move my body? Do I feel differently energetically? How's my mood? How are my aches and pains? How is my sleep? Similarly, uh, I applied the same sort of process to my relationship with food. So, you know, we sort of become conditioned to eating the same kinds of foods. We eat the same kinds of portions and we never question 
what we're doing. And so again, here I was just getting curious, what would it be like if I reduced my portion sizes? What would it be like if I tried eating healthier foods? Would my what would my energy be like? What would my sleep be like? How would my body feel? And what I realized is that it just felt so good. It felt good. It felt first of all, like an expression of what was important to me, an expression of my values. I felt like I was living in alignment with what was important to me. So that feels amazing. But then also when we, you know, bring awareness to sort of the inner wisdom of our body, we, we learn things about what our body needs. And my body wanted movement. My body wanted nourishing food. My body didn't need to eat as much as I had been eating. And so all through this process of sort of curiosity and awareness and like listening to my body, I sort of things started falling into place and I started losing about a pound and a half to two pounds a week just from sort of tuning in. That's amazing. You mentioned anxiety and in doing a little bit of research on you, I, I, I saw a quote on Facebook that you had put up that said, anxiety is no longer my chronic state of being. And yeah. I nearly teared up on that because me and anxiety are best friends. But all of those things that you just talked about, it seems like it was very much a snowball. Like one thing maybe led to another and another and another. Did your anxiety just go away overnight or did it just reduce a little bit the more the snowball got bigger? How, how did that happen for you? Yeah, that is such a good question. And I think a really important point. I think when I started meditating, that I had this expectation that it would just like be the antidote to all my anxiety, that it would be something that I could just apply, and that the anxiety would go away. And I spent years of practice and feeling the benefits of practice and yet still feeling like I had anxiety. And yet, it wasn't like there was a point in time where I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm no longer anxious. But then I look back to myself, you know, 15 years ago, 17 years ago, when I first started meditating and I'm like a, I'm like a different person, but there wasn't really just a moment where I thought, oh my gosh, here I am. I've arrived. You know, it was, it was really, I think more of what you're speaking about. It's that snowball effect. You know, there are real benefits to a consistent practice. I think it's about getting to know yourself better about, for me, having a healthier relationship with the anxiety. You know, so, so often when we have a difficult emotion like anxiety, we have so much internal resistance. We just want to push it away. And that in trying to push it away, it just sort of turns up the volume on the experience. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of like pithy formula, you know, that you oftentimes hear thrown around, which is that suffering equals pain times resistance. And that's true. You know, the more you sort of resist it, the more, the bigger it got for me. And so through having, through, through again, like this process of curiosity, through allowing the anxiety to be there without all of that inner resistance. For me, what that did is it created some space in my experience, some acceptance, some allowing, and that really helped me to transform my relationship with anxiety in a way in which I feel like now I just have normal situational anxiety. I don't have that sort of chronic like sort of low level or even high level anxiety that I was having at the time. 
Meditation is so interesting. It's we've talked about it literally since day one of this show. Our first episode was was about meditation, and we've talked to some of the people that you've trained with on this show. Mm. It's such a challenging thing to incorporate into our lives, especially in the culture that we are entrenched in, where we're constantly, even in lockdown, even in COVID, we're constantly on the go. Whether it's getting our kids online for school, logging into the meeting that we're five minutes late for, what you know, yeah. whatever it is. How do we make this a part of our life? And then how does it transition from that practice to a, a lifestyle of mindfulness, of, of incorporating that same awareness, that same curiosity into each moment of our day? Yeah, that, that, that's, again, a really great question. So I think um, a couple of things are coming to mind around that. So the first thing is, you know, having a a regular meditation practice where you're sort of working more formally, I'll say, like you're setting time aside, whether it's, you know, five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day is, is really useful because you get an experience of connecting with these qualities that we're trying to nurture, these, these, these qualities of awareness and kindness and compassion. And so you kind of get like a taste of that in a more sort of formal sense. But there are there are ways that you can do that beyond sort of what people think of traditionally as sitting meditation. And so that's where I think the, the key is, is that, you know, people oftentimes come to meditation thinking, I can't do this. I can't sit still. I'm too, I'm too active. My mind is too busy. And so there are actually other ways to practice beyond sort of that traditional, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes of sitting on a, a, a you know, meditation cushion a day. There are ways that you can actually practice in more of an active sense. So you can actually practice meditation while you're doing some sort of uh, light repetitive activity in the Healthy Minds program um, that I work for, we have a type of meditation that's called an active practice. So these are practices actually that can be done while you're doing things like walking, like house cleaning, gardening, some sort of like light repetitive activity. And so these are really great ways to be able to sort of work with people's preferences around being active versus sitting. And so there is real benefit, I will say, in sort of connecting with these qualities in a, in a more formal way, whether you're doing a seated or an active practice. Now, that said, I mean, the whole point of meditation is to actually bring forth these qualities into our day-to-day -day lives. And so there are ways that you can do this quite simply. You know, you can actually choose some part of your everyday routine, let's say getting on to Zoom meetings is something that you're doing regularly throughout the day. So you set the intention at the beginning of the day that each time I log into a Zoom meeting, I'm going to practice taking three mindful, intentional breaths. And so then you begin connecting with the with awareness sort of short moments throughout the day. And you just continue to, to do this and you can choose different activities, but there will be a point where awareness will be there without you actually having to set the intention to have it be tied to something like a Zoom meeting. It's like you become so connected to the practice that it just sort of shows up spontaneously throughout your day so that you are connected to kindness, you are connected to compassion and awareness as a part of just the way in which you're being in the world. But it does take some training, like you have to you have to train your mind in these 
in these qualities and um, to, to sort of connect with them in a different way. And so that's where I, I feel like there's like a really nice balance between doing it in sort of more of a formal way and then doing it in your daily life. I want to ask, you know, very specifically, there's meditation and there's mindfulness mm-hmm. and they're not the mm-hmm. same thing, right? Mm-hmm. How are they different? What's, how do we differentiate those two? So mindfulness more is about sort of being familiar with what's going on in your own mind. So you're aware of your thoughts, you're aware of your emotions, you're aware of where your mind is directed, you're aware of, you know, uh, sensations in the body, senses, and then you'll also notice when your mind is no longer present and aware, you notice distraction in that moment when you notice distraction is when you're actually sort of reconnected with awareness. So mindfulness is sort of the skill that allows us to sort of know what's going on with our own mind and know when we're distracted versus when we're when we're present and aware. So meditation more broadly, I would say is just sort of the the toolbox and the techniques and the way in which we train the mind, sort of similar to the way that we would like train um, our muscles at the gym, right? You know, we, we lift weights for certain muscle groups. We lift weights for biceps and triceps. Similarly, when we're training our mind, mindfulness is just one skill that we're training. We train other things like attention and self-awareness and kindness and compassion. And so there's like a whole more holistic view of uh, the qualities that we're and the skills that we're training in beyond just mindfulness. Speaking of tools, Healthy Minds Innovations has a terrific tool that is an app that can really help teach you how to meditate. Uh, And I want to talk about that in a second, but I wanted to to jump in quickly on the awareness part because a point where I get stuck and I'm currently stuck in in an incredibly stressful situation is I can become very aware of, I know why I feel the way I do. I know Mm -hmm. why I'm letting these problems interfere with the the, the way I make decisions, but taking the action step is where I've been stuck lately. Do you find that people have a hard time where they can say, I know exactly why I feel the way I do. I know exactly what's causing all of this. I don't know what to do with it. How do you sort of get over that hurdle? Hmm. Is there any way that you'd be willing to like give me an actual example of so, that? Because I think that that would help me. Yeah. So for example, yeah. uh, I mentioned uh, before we started recording that my, my family is sort of in the middle of trying to move. And I'm, I'm pre-grieving the, the leaving my house, handing the keys over to somebody else, all the stress and trauma that it's going to cause for my kids to live somewhere where they don't know anybody. I'm aware of all of it, but Mm -hmm. I can't seem to do anything about it. I still, I'm still uh, experiencing that grief and still just sort of feeling stuck. And I don't know how to transition the awareness to action Mm -hmm. to, to make it better or to, or to, I guess, ease the suffering. Yeah, that's such a, yeah. So I think, you know, this is where, um, insight can become really useful. So insight is another dimension of well-being and the healthy minds model of well-being. I think just to set the, the framework, we have four dimensions of well-being that we recognize in our scientific framework, which is awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And so insight is a way in which we can actually begin to sort of get curious around things like our thoughts, our beliefs, our expectations, our assumptions, And we begin to just see sort of how these things are bubbling underneath our experience. We we get curious about them. We begin to see them more clearly sort of in the light of conscious awareness. And so I guess what I would encourage 
you to do is to sort of maybe look at what are some of the beliefs that you have about the move, about, you know, your kids' ability to adapt or whatever is sort of playing a part in your anxiety and just to sort of say, gosh, what, what beliefs do I hold here? You know, are these beliefs actually true? You know, is there another way that someone could see this? You could even actually try and take the perspective of someone who you think is very wise. Like if you had a wise mentor who were seeing the situation from the outside, like what would they see? And then just kind of see if you've got some some expectations or some assumptions about this situation that are playing a role in the way that you're showing up in a way and playing a role in your stuckness. And through that curiosity and sort of seeing some of those beliefs, it may sort of loosen up and allow you to see things uh, in a different way that may allow you to actually have some some movement there. I think another way to look at it would be um, through the lens of values So there is a way in which we can sort of tackle life's challenges, you know, mundane or sort of those bigger things in life by sort of getting clear around what's important to us and what's meaningful to us and bringing those values to the forefront of our mind as we move into trying to deal with something, whether it's doing the dishes, whether it's moving your house, whether it's renovating your house and just seeing if there's a way in which, gosh, can I bring forth this value into this situation and how might my perspective change as I enter into this, this, you know, this move. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and I do feel like it is something where I just, I haven't perhaps gone deep enough. And part of the way I'm trying Mm -hmm. to get there is uh, the app that I mentioned. I, I love this app. Uh, there are tons of options for apps to learn about meditation, one of the bigger ones, uh, I probably shouldn't mention the name, but but Headspace is kind of the most well-known uh, meditation yeah. app. One of my frustrations with them or, or with that app has been how sort of repetitive it is. I don't feel like you can really grow with that app because it's yeah. it's all very repetitive. What I love about what you guys have done is it's it sort of combines uh, like a podcast. It's an educational tool. It, it teaches you different methods very early on that are very mm-hmm. easy to grasp. And it's just, it's so much more of a journey and I feel more drawn to come back every day and do it because Mm. there's some new layer rather than just, oh, we're going to just do that again. Is that sort of by design? Is it sort of designed to help someone learn how to meditate and how to implement it in, in their lives? Yes. So it is definitely exactly designed the way that you're speaking about it. It it is a step-by-step journey to train the mind in qualities that are associated with well-being. And so everything that you're learning in the app is rooted in the Healthy Minds framework. This is a a framework of well-being that I mentioned before has four different dimensions, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And within each of these dimensions of well-being, there's sort of some nuances, some different skills that you're learning. But the app is set up in a way in which there are these sort of like small style podcasts that are about five to seven minutes in length. And you learn about a little bit about well-being and the science of meditation and the science of well-being. And then you have these opportunities really to train in the skills through the guided meditations. And so the guided meditations are customizable. There, you can choose anywhere between five to 30 minutes in length. You can choose a male or a female speaker. You can choose seated or active practice. So there really is something there. I, I feel like for anybody, I really do believe that anybody can meditate. And there are a lot of options within the app to make that easier for you 
And we also, you know, have live training programs as well outside of the app that help people to learn how to meditate, to start a meditation habit, knowing that, you know, consistency is such an important part of that. And so we're launching a, um, a program actually in mid-April that's a Kickstarter to a Healthy Mind, which is really designed to help people develop a meditation habit through going through 30 days of, of meditation. And they're, they're facilitated step-by-step step along the way through live training classes, through meditation coaching, through the use of the app. And so it's just, you know, so we have both the app as well as live training offering, offerings that help to support people in their journey. That's awesome. The live training, I think that's what I need. I've tried the apps, like I, the motivation to click play every day mm-hmm. is always interesting for me because I'm not being held accountable by anyone else. So mm-hmm. the live training, I, I love that you've got for the people who are self-motivated and the people who are uh, need that external motivation. I think that's great that that you've got something for both sides. So can you say a little bit more about that 30-day program? Yeah, yeah. So basically, in the 30-day program, um, what we do is we explore one of the dimensions of well-being each week. So week one, we'll spend learning about awareness, two, connection, three, insight, and four, purpose. And so each week, basically, you'll be committing to doing some form of practice a day. And then there will be days throughout the week as well, where you'll be listening to some of those more podcast style lessons. Now, in addition, we have a uh, framework for developing a habit. And so each week, we basically dive into some of the strategies to help people form a habit. And each week we take a little bit of a different perspective, but this, this habit formation model is called PARA and PARA is an acronym that sound that stands for plan, act, reflect, and adjust. And so each week we help people sort of create plans that work within the, the circumstances of their lives be able to sort of overcome obstacles to habit formation, to be able to sort of change habits based on changing circumstances in life. And so each week we take a significant portion of this live training and dedicate it to the habit formation piece, knowing that really the benefits of meditation are seen the most prominently when you do establish a a regular consistent practice. About that practice, one of the questions I see in a lot of the online groups about meditation, there's always, how long? Should I do it before work? Should I do it after work? Can I do it while I'm, you know, there's there's so many questions. And I, I always tell people there's really no wrong way to do it. There's, there's a million right ways to do it, but there's not really a wrong yeah. way as long as whatever you're doing has all of your attention. Uh, and I, and yeah. I think it was, uh, I, re- I read something on your website, the, the best meditation is the one that you're going to do all the time. Like, yeah. It just, it seems really simple, but people I think have this inflated image of what meditating is. You've got to, you know, be in a robe on a cushion in a perfectly silent room with six candles facing the correct direction. Or I mean, <laughs> it seems like it's this big thing, but it doesn't have to be right. Right. It does not have to be a big deal. And, you know, whenever someone is starting a practice, I recommend starting with what feels realistic for your schedule. I say start small and build confidence from there. So for some people, you know, choosing a five minute practice from the app, if you do better with guided meditations, start there. And then gradually, as you develop consistency and confidence, you can sort of broaden your practice from there. But in terms of, you know, some of the nuances around when you're actually practicing, it really is largely dependent on the individual, you know, so 
if you're the kind of person that's a morning person, you've you've got space in your morning to meditate, you've got an established routine that like allows you to have space to to meditate in the morning, then meditate then meditating in the morning is probably going to work best for you. But if you're uh, you know the the person who snoozes their alarm and has a lot of difficulty being awake in the morning and feels very sluggish, like morning time probably isn't the best for you. So you know, I always think about developing a habit as being a process of getting curious and getting to know yourself better. Because what I find is that, you know, we sort of we, uh, we set forth a plan that we think is going to be the thing, like, I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes every morning. And this is going to be the thing that's going to work for me. And then we continue to try and do a plan that for some never takes root. And we get frustrated. And we're like, Oh, we can't do this. So rather than like adjusting. So when you look at that para habit formation model, adjust is a part of developing the habit, like we're actually looking at, okay, when am I successful? When am I not successful? And like making adjustments to when we're practicing and how long we're practicing sort of based on those insights that we're learning about our about ourselves. So you know, it really is a very individual journey, but to notice any tendency that, you know, a person might have to be like self-critical or self-judgmental or like going into that shame spiral of, oh, I can't do it and I'm a bad person. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's about holding yourself with compassion, trying to see that, you know, your aspiration to meditate is coming from like a really um, a really kind of important nurturing, nourishing place. You want well-being. It's coming from this really, this this intention to be kind to yourself, and and so through being compassionate for any missteps along the way, it's just saying, hey, I know that change is hard. I'm doing my best. I'm going to try again and again and again. And so just having some some you know diligence. And trying different ways to practice and just seeing if you can do that for yourself. But, you know, I think that you, you'll you see benefits of meditation from the consistency. You know, there's, there's research out there that shows benefits of doing like 30 minutes of compassion practice a day or, you know, 30 minutes of a kindness or awareness practice a day. So, but, but I think it really is about it is about the consistency. And so just committing to trying to do it like five to 10 minutes a day, start small, start realistic, and then even just seeing for yourself. So the science says one thing, right? But like, what, what do you feel like it's doing for you? Are you feeling like it's giving you uh, some resourcefulness to like be the best version of yourself? Do you feel like you're able to come into those moments where you might be emotionally triggered and actually have some resilience? Do you feel like you're able to respond with some generosity, with some kindness, some compassion, and just like really getting curious around what you feel like the the practice is actually doing for yourself in your own lived experience? And then you can make decisions around, you know, whether or not it's even something that you want to do and how often and how long you feel like you need to practice for your own, for your own well-being and for your own benefit. I've always had trouble sitting down to meditate. I'm a moving meditator. That's why I love yoga. And the reason being is, you know, my anxiety runs so hot that when I do stop moving, my bodily sensations drive me insane. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can't even sit still. On paper, it's easy to do. But for the person sitting down to meditate, this is a, a bit of a struggle for a lot of people to get into these habits. What would you say would be, you know, your number one tip for somebody who has tried meditation, didn't like it. It was, you know, a negative experience. You know, do you have like one or two tips for 
how to make that an easier transition for people? Yeah, yeah. I think what I would say is, first of all, to look at your expectations around meditation. I think oftentimes the reason why people have such a strong negative initial response is because they expect that meditation is going to be this sort of experience where they don't have any thoughts in their mind. And so then they feel like they're not successful when they have thoughts. And then they're like, oh, I can't do this. I have too many thoughts. And so actually what we're doing is we're just actually during meditation, we're cultivating awareness of things like thoughts. Like we can see thoughts as thoughts. We can see that the thoughts are comprised oftentimes of like images or words in the mind. We can, you know, become aware of those uncomfortable physical sensations that you're talking about related to anxiety. And we can see that what oftentimes on the outside feels like a solid fixed experience actually has nuances. Like the sensations are changing and moving and they're changing in intensity and so, so I think part of it is just sort of looking at, gosh, what am I expecting from a meditation practice? So that, that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, if there's, there are so many different styles of practice, a million different meditation techniques. I mean, the Healthy Minds program has a year's worth of content, all different practices in there. So if there was one style that didn't work for you, then try something else try a different, uh, try a different technique. Maybe if you tried seated practice, and it didn't work for you, try an active practice, and just experiment and enter into it with an experiment, experimentation mentality. And I know I've used the word curiosity a lot, but I just feel really strongly about curiosity as like a healthy, a healthy quality to cultivate, getting curious around what it might be like to practice in different ways, using different techniques, and, and, and try and try it differently. So I think expectations and then sort of curiosity and changing it up and trying something else. That's something that I love about the app is that it does incorporate active meditation. It's not just about uh, sitting quietly and it, it's really open to a lot of different styles. Um, so as we wrap up here, where can we learn more about uh, both the app and uh, the, uh, not, not retreat, but the, what's the, uh, the Kickstarter program, the Kickstarter program. Yeah, yes. Where can yeah. we learn more about both of those? Okay, so a Healthy Minds program, you can download our free app uh, in the App Store. So Healthy Minds program, the Kickstarter program, you can check out hminnovations.org. And we have an events page. And we're actually offering listeners of the Fit Mess a um, wonderful discount. So we're offering a $50 discount to your listeners. And the podcast discount um, promo code. Promo code. Oh there my gosh. Go. <laughs> That's okay. It's, uh, fit mess, all one word. And so, yeah, and this is, of course, a program that's really designed for beginner meditators or people that maybe have struggled with creating a meditation habit that might be interested in gaining that kind of live support from a live cohort of learners through, you know, working uh, with me as the meditation coach, and through just giving it a try to see if this can be something that that they'll experience some benefit from. So hminnovations.org, Healthy Minds program app, downloadable at the App Store. And of course, we're on social media. We've got, you know, we've got a YouTube channel where we've got tons of guided meditations. We offer live guided meditation on YouTube and on our Facebook page every Monday in Spanish and every Thursday in English. 
So lots of opportunities to connect with us at Healthy Minds. That was Stephanie Wagner from Healthy Minds Innovations. All of those links she just mentioned are on our show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. So we've talked with so many people about meditation and so many different ways to do it. And there's no wrong way, but there's so many ways that you can keep trying. And I think it's, for me anyway, it's so important for my life that if you can't find a way to meditate, keep trying the next and the next and the next. And this one is really great to try. I mean, it's it's a really slightly different approach. And I think it's really workable by people who don't necessarily like sitting and meditating like me. We made a key distinction in that interview about the difference between mindfulness and meditation. Meditation, I, I think, simply is sort of the formal practice of training your mind to live more mindfully. And that's where, you know, like I said, I've, I've sort of let my meditation practice fall aside, but I've still tried to be mindful at several points throughout the day. If I have to do the laundry or, or put things away or like whatever, it generally is a, is a thing I don't want to be doing. And I will try to give it all of my attention because otherwise I do follow the thoughts of this fucking sucks. Why do I have to do this every day? I hate doing this so much. And, and it just becomes this horrible experience and it makes it so much bigger and worse than it needs to be where when it's just, if it is putting laundry away, for example, if, if I'm just focusing on put this shirt in the drawer, I'm putting these socks in the drawer. Like it just removes any of the judgment on the thing and makes it so much less painful and that's yeah. where if you can do that for the two or three minutes that that horrible task that you hate doing so much, if you can do that, it starts to creep into other aspects of your life. It's funny you mention it like that because I was just thinking that even just putting laundry away mindfully, I can't remember the last time I actually did put laundry away. Yet I have a basket of clean clothes at the foot of my bed all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because so, it sits there begging you to do something about it. I'm, I, I hate know. doing that. I'm not going to do might it. Have, I might have to try it now, though. Right. Just remove the judgment and just go, okay, I'm holding a shirt. It's going in the drawer. I'm holding socks. They're going in the drawer. You know, my key motivation, like laundry-wise, though, this is a different topic. Laundry-wise, <laughs> my key motivation in putting my laundry away in the past was to make sure that my shirts that I had to wear to work mm. were not wrinkled. Right. Remove that variable and I don't care anymore. Yeah. I will wear wrinkly shirts all day. I'll go to the grocery store in them. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when I don't put laundry away. When you're wearing the same clothes for four days, the, the, the amount of laundry has suddenly gone way down as well. <laughs> exactly. I might be on day five here. Right. We, we might need to do an entire episode on laundry. This, this seems to be a sticking point for both of us. And I don't even do it that much. That's the thing. Like, so, you know, my, my wife who's been out of work for months, she's kind of pick, picked up the, uh, the homemaker role. So she's doing a lot of the laundry and the dishes and that sort of thing. I'm not even doing it that much. And I, I hate it so much that that is the thing that pops into my head that like, ah, oh, I got to do that. Uh, oh, no, I, it's so bad that I like looked at the laundry basket last weekend and I went, I can put away the laundry. And then I looked over and I was like, or I could replace those outlets and do some electrical work. <laughs> right. And I chose the electrical work. It sucks. Never do laundry. That's I, If you take one thing away from this episode, never do the laundry, I think is the point. That's, that's but being if you made. are going to do it, try and do it mindfully. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that. If you do want to find out more about uh, the the Kickstarter program that Stephanie mentioned or the app or any of that, there are links on our website, thefitmess.com. 
While you're there, please sign up for the newsletter so you never miss a thing related to the episode. And while you're there, check out our affiliates page where you can find links to uh, amazing products like the Athletic Brewing Company, non-alcoholic beers, Daily Habit CBD, and Bulletproof Coffee. Just some of the tools in our toolbox that we try to use as often as possible to live a happier and healthier life. And that will do it for this episode this week. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode at thefitmess.com. See everyone. I'm going to go avoid laundry. I'm going to go do anything but laundry. Yes. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the internet. And even if they did play them on the internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.